Temenos is the world's leader in banking software, helping over 3,000 banks serve over 1.2 billion people. Our purpose is to make banking better. Together with our community, we make banks more successful, individuals better banked, and society better served. With our software, banks can create more human, differentiated digital experiences, hyper-efficient business models to benefit the bank and their customers, and simplify and transform their back office. Our clients are the highest performing banks with cost-income ratios which are twice better than the industry average. Learn more at temenos.com. Looking to sharpen your competitive edge when it comes to design? Join hundreds of subscribers using 11FS Pulse to solve their users' problems and get to market faster. Discover over 4,000 user journeys from global brands like Revolut, Curve, and Soldo, and learn how to design winning customer propositions with our expert analysis. Get started today by visiting bit.ly forward slash get a pulse demo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fintech Insider After Dark. My name is David Breer, and today's theme is going to be something a little bit different. It's all about starting from scratch. Um, and what do we really mean by that? Well, there's a there's a lot you can do when you start with a blank sheet of paper, isn't there? What we want you to do is imagine, though, that we're in 2040. Um, we've been exhausted pretty much uh, every natural resource that there has been on Earth. I can't tell yet whether it's Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, or Richard Branson who has really colonized uh, space travel and got us up there to, to get to Mars. But what we're doing is we're the first people on the ship. We're out there trying to understand, well, how can we uh, set good foundations for billions of people who are going to be following us over the next coming weeks and months uh, in order to set up a financial services ecosystem. Um, we're getting on our rocket, we're heading out there, tasked with building the first banking platform, first banking ecosystem on Mars. Cool project, didn't expect to get this one. Weird RFP, if anybody was wondering. Um, <laughs> there are no rules, there is definitely no regulations, there's no limits in terms of what we can come up, only our imaginations over the next 45 minutes to an hour, we'll see how this goes. Um, we've got the opportunity to really shed all of the baggage that we've seen within the ecosystems globally. Whenever we get to build something fun, there's always these limitations. And what we wanted to do tonight is try and figure out, well, what would happen if you really started from scratch? So joining today, uh, we have guests who are leading the players in all of these different places, whether it's thinking about what we need to do with identity, what we need to do with communities, what we need to do with regulation, whatever me and Jason do. Um, all <laughs> of that stuff we'll be bringing to this conversation in order to really get to going. So what we'll be doing is, is kicking this off now. Um, so joining us is Eric van der Klein, who is a builder of tech ecosystems, co-founder of Edenbase.com, Level 39 Tech Nation, a bunch of other things that I failed to mention as well. But Eric, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you for having me. No worries. Uh, you're, you're Sort of, you've done all your training and everything, right, to, to get to Mars. I just uh, presumed Laura, producer Laura, told you about all of the uh, the rigorous sort of G-force. Yeah, I got, got the under. I got the full brief and totally ignored it. Okay, great. Okay, well, um, we'll come back to that in a second then. All right, uh, and next up we have uh, Marta Kripska, who is the head at, of Google at Startups. I think I probably got your surname a little bit wrong there, didn't I? <laughs> it's all fine. It doesn't matter on Mars. Plus, I, I need, I need, I need to forgive you because otherwise it's going to be a very long journey. It is. It's going to be a long trip, isn't it? So uh, yeah. I'll promise you by the time we land, I'll figure that one out. But, uh, but anyway, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Are you, are you sort of ready for the for the trip? You're excited about starting from scratch? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm a little bit sad that we imploded the earth. Um, so I kind of hope that we... I kind of hope we wouldn't have, but um, well, it's happened now. Well, so. I'm told if we get this right, all our friends and family will be able to come. So, like, no pressure. And if we get it wrong... Yeah. Then we're stuck together. Yeah. Other planets in the solar system. Exactly. We, move on. we better figure that out. All right. And, and by la last but by no means least, we're joined also by Dr. Sean Lewin, who is the co-founder and head of client delivery over at RegTech Associates. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. It's so nice to actually see, I was going to say normal people, but just people maybe. <laughs> yeah. She was definitely looking at me then when she questioned normal people, but uh, I won't take that personally. No, no, no. Where's the ejector button on there? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, well, to kick off the show, um, we really want to, you know, do that imaginary space trip to, to Mars. Uh, we've got a really long journey ahead of us, but before we get going, we have a little bit of a chat on what we leave behind. I mean, there's a lot of things that when you start something new, you know, there's limitations here on Earth. I'm not talking about gravity or, uh, you know... Uh, 
the sort of uh, interchange rates necessarily, but but all of the things that are, are really about limitations that we've got within the the existing sort of global systems that we're looking at. So, um, you know, maybe Jason, if we start with you, throwing you under the bus and starting with you on this live thing that we're doing right now. Little fantasy fintech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what would you think? I mean, what's the biggest pain point in the current system? Well, I guess we've got to talk about what systems we would actually build or need. Look, because banking as a whole like covers so many different things. So, you know, we're going to have to have money. We're going to have to be able to transfer that to each other. Um, to buy things from the merchants. I'm sure there'll be a McDonald's franchise there, probably on the, on the first ship out there. Um, we're going to have to protect against crime and there's going to have to be an identity thing. We're going to have to lend money in order to stimulate the Martian economy. So there's all kinds of things there as to how to, um, how to move forward. But if we keep it simple and we don't get into stock markets and derivatives on week one, then... Um, then really we're talking about making things or leaving behind the complexity and the cost. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we built banks in Hong Kong, in the US, in the UK, and, uh, and it's a set of systems that are built up over hundreds of years. Like we started with something very simple, a few guys on a bench, you give me the money, I'll keep it for you, you want it back, I'll, I'll lend you some money, and away we go. And from that, over hundreds of years, we've added more and more systems in, we've added machinery and branches, and we've added uh, regulatory compliance and all kinds of things. So now we've got intermediaries upon intermediaries just stacking up with regulators watching and, uh, and different ways of transferring money. And so to actually start something new, especially when, when we go and build something new in a, a new territory, there's just a big cost there because you've got so many of these players and interlocking systems uh, you know, at play. So I think the things I would leave behind are essentially this massive ecosystem of thousands of different things and hundreds of intermediaries and we'd have to actually just start from, from the start again. Like, what is it we're trying to achieve? And with the technology we've got, how are we going to do that? Mm. So, I mean, like that sedimentary rock of all of those layers upon layers upon layers. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting challenge, isn't it? Because that's sort of everything, isn't it, really? So, so in, in conclusion, we're leaving everything. Just so you know. <laughs> is that it? We're done then, yeah? Yeah, that's it. We wrap this up, Laura. We've got this. Um, Anyway, um, Sean, what do you think? What, what would you leave? I mean, I, I reckon with your uh, with your sort of uh, specialism, I reckon reg some of the regulatory stuff is going to be on your mind, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know we need to think about of the stuff that we can leave. What what will we need to take? Because you know you, you talked about money and the creation of, of of money, and that's you know if we're going to have money, it needs to be created somehow. And at the moment, you know, banks create ninety seven percent of the money supply in the in the UK. So. You know, are we going to have a central digital bank currency? We'll come on to that later. But I think if we are going to take the premise that we're building a bank and it's a fractional reserve banking system, there will absolutely have to be some sort of regulation to to deal with the, the fragility that, that 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 causes. You know, you you deposit money, money's created, and there's a mismatch between the two, both in terms of the time and the um, the amount of money you can you can return if somebody makes a, a withdrawal. So there'll need to be some safeguards around around that. I think um, the cost and complexity of regulation, I think, is something we can absolutely leave leave behind. I think multiple jurisdictions, multiple rules, um, overlaps, um, you know, different interpretations, and even just the process of making the rules is is difficult and complex and let alone you pile on all of the changes to the rules on, on top of that, which are really difficult to cope with. So I think there's absolutely a lot that we can we can leave behind. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? In, a, in an analogue world, you know, regulatory stuff was because everything worked in an analogue way, right? But in a digital world, and in a Martian digital world, it's going to be weird, we're going to go for like this one Martian, one, you know, one, one money, one Martians, like or one Mars. I need to work on the marketing around that. But, uh, but, but you know, the distinctions of different geos creating different regulatory yeah. burdens is, is a real challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it's a real challenge. And that's where a lot of the cost cost is involved, I think. Um, I think, you know, but, in some but, ways there's good reasons you, um, for that. But Would you take fractional reserve banking to Mars? Well, I was going to come on to that when we start talking about what we will do rather oh, than what okay. we'll leave behind. Because I, I, I think there are some interesting alternatives uh -huh. there you go. to that. What, what do you reckon? What, what, uh, what would you leave behind? Or what, what would you most like to shed? Uh, so, uh, plenty of things. Um, I think you know, I spent the better part of my career in sort of consumer fintech. Money transfers, 
giving people access to their salary when they've worked rather than at the end of the month. And I think one of the things, well, the two things that frustrate me in the world and they're connected to our banking system. One is that it's expensive to be poor. And it's very clear in the way that currently the system works. Um, if you actually, you know, if you want to send money abroad, the less you're sending, the worse rate you're going to get. If you want to borrow money, you're going to get a worse APR on your card if you don't have a lot of money. So sort of the relationship with money is kind of the more, it, it is paradoxical that the more you need it, the harder it is to get. And I think that obviously compounds and leads to massive inequalities and hopefully we would not have a completely messed up unequal um, sort of environment on Mars. Uh, the second thing that I'm quite frustrated by is, well, we have just imploded the Earth. Can we just like for a second consider that this has just happened? Like we just said, oh, bye, Earth, it was great, but like we're moving on. So how do we avoid doing that again? And one of the things that is really like really close to my heart is, you know, we know that it's a completely difficult task to decarbonize finance. It's like 30 $30 trillion are held in assets connected to fossil fuels. So, okay, so that's done, that's burnt. But how do we, how do we make sure that we don't do that again? And how do we create value out of, um, out of, out of assets that are going to be beneficial for, for the planet that's now home and for everybody on it? And I think perhaps the third thing that comes to mind is, like, I'm a huge fan of innovation and it's, it's so core, but I think there is something that happened as we were sort of moving from having branches and bank managers and sort of being able to go there and tell your story. And the bank manager knew your father, who was this really honorable man and sort of trusted that you're going to repay the loan to start your own business. And then we moved it all to sort of computerized systems. But the challenge with that is if you don't have good data inputs, then you quite often end up with computer says no situation without a way to move away from that. So... I'd want to hope that whatever we end up building here, that we're going to have a sort of better sense of how can we feed the right data in so that doesn't happen. Sure. No, it's, it's really true. We're, we're not voting for branches on Mars, though, are we? Just, just so I'm, I'm clear. Maybe, well, let's maybe, see. Em Checks, empathy, empathy and banking. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back to it. Eric, what, what do you think? What are you, um, what are you looking forward to leaving behind? Great question. And I love the premise as well. Thank you for coming up with something as bonkers as this. <laughs> uh, Again, second insult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're just starting. Yeah. Um, no, um, so I, I shared it with the team, and they reminded me of the Golga Frinchens, who from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, okay. who decided there were three kinds of Golga Frinchens. There were the thinkers, the doers, and the management consultants. And what happens is the thinkers and the doers persuaded the management consultants to get on a rocket and go to a planet. I think it was the Earth or something. And so they arrived and said, well, where are all the others? They didn't show up, of course. Um, but what they did is they adopted the leaf, of course, as the currency because it was abundant, plentiful. And then it wasn't long before, I think it was a loaf of bread was exchanging hands for the cost of six deciduous forests or something <laughs> like that. And so you, they, they started to, uh, understanding inflation was an issue and things like that. So it reminded us of that. And it was a great reminder for the team that that was possible. But actually, I did a, a huge amount, about five minutes of Googling about uh, Mars. And I also tried to think about why we'd have gone there. Uh, two things or three things have happened on Earth. Uh, calamity, ecological, something like that. We've figured out how to effectively mine Mars for raw materials and bring it back, you know, that's a possibility. Or abundance has happened. And actually that's probably another reason. In some way it's possible that one of those three situations, whichever it is, I promise we wouldn't have jumped on a rocket without thinking about it beforehand. We'd have probably done a wee bit of planning. <laughs> Somebody might have hired 11 of us to have a, to think it through, you never know. I guarantee you we didn't build the rocket just so everybody's <laughs> But if you said, what might you leave behind in such a circumstance? Now, I just want to say this, that I am a fan for our planet Earth mm. of central banks. We kind of need them. Okay. And, uh, but I might, in a situation for a fresh start, think that of, a bet an, of an alternative way of approaching the function that we currently vote for uh, or have central banks apply to us. And it would be probably leaving those behind for a far more decentralized vision of, of whatever the, the future world would be. Um, we can go into that perhaps in more detail in the next phase, but I think leaving behind central banks, not because they're bad for the planet Earth, although some of the decisions haven't been as well founded as we've 
hoped they might have been, but they are transforming and learning. 2020, you know, hindsight and all that, right? You know, it's, uh, it's always, always one, isn't it? I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I think I sort of really align with what you were saying. And actually, the thing I think I'd leave behind is like business models. Because, you know, arguably, to your point, you know, punitive charges, like when I need you, it's expensive, you know, and all of those things that have been set up are slightly antagonistic in terms of actually how the setup is there. And that's only really, you know, evolved that way rather than, to your point, you know, funding uh, small businesses or, you know, people within a community to, to sort of better the community. So, um, yeah, so we've got rid of everything, haven't we? It's, Te it's interesting, isn't it? regs. Everything, you know. Uh. <laughs> it's interesting the um, you know digital business business models around services around freemium premium and actually everyone gets a, gets a great service. But if you pay a bit extra, you get an even better service. But actually, with banking, it's like a perverted free premium premium because twelve percent of the population the wrong 12% pays for banking for everyone else who are like, woohoo, free banking, it's great. Meanwhile, the you know, poor guy on over, uh, with an overdraft or spiraling debt is paying for everyone's banking. So yeah, okay, maybe I'm... Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe banking needs to be a utility rather than a profit-making industry. Ooh, the Martian banking utility, you heard it first. Well, it, it's it's a fundamental, isn't it? It's um, you know, if we were we were talking about you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it sits right at the bottom of it, doesn't it? Because it's it's actual and psychological safety, isn't it? I mean, it is a provider of trust. Essentially, I think Jurov, you made this point that we need banking because we need money because we need to be able to exchange goods and services. I mean, there is a world in which we don't have that. We we trade leaves or you know or, or or coupons or whatever else you know the last the last you know bag of crisps that we've got left on this rocket ship. Um, but it's just that, in, you know, maybe you and I, we have the trust and you would take it from me. But, but if I don't know you, then we wouldn't. But I suppose we're also jumping to conclusions that it has to be in the current shape that we know banking, that it'd be the provider of that trust. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. We were talking in the office about um, this sort of Mis potentially mistaken view that money evolved because bartering was a thing. Mm. And then you had a chicken, I had some bread, you had, I don't know, mm. apples. But I don't want chicken, but I do want apples, and we have to do this mm. complex thing. But I think it's um, the guy who wrote The History of, of Money or Debt or something spoke about, actually, that's not how money evolved. That actually, originally, uh, we shared, like we were in a community. It was Star Trek, you know. You had stuff, I had stuff. We shared it with the people who needed it and we got more in return. But that actually money was invented around taxation and mm. debt and a way of funding wars and everything else. So if we're not going to have Martian wars and we, we might have to look at taxation, then, you, um, then maybe you say, well, actually we don't. We, it is a sharing economy. It's a kibbutz at scale. It's a, you know. I'll definitely join the Martian kibbutz. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There you go. There's another marketing thing. We're, we're slowly working on the, uh, the technology for it. Uh, but um, but it, is, it is an issue. I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit a, a second ago about the, the management consultants route. I mean, the next piece on that is if we're leaving it behind, you know, who do we need to bring with us to kind of try and solve some of these problems? So, you know, what types of people do you think we need in order to enable us to, to build these things and change it? Because do we need people who really know how the current systems work or do we need people who think a little bit outside the, well, the atmosphere, I guess, into another, uh, another planet? Well, the first thing I'd like to say to that is thank you very much to the 11FS marketing team for the only and the first tweet that's gone out is Eric van der Klee says, I would leave behind central banks. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, marketing team. Um, he caveated it so much. Totally ignored. Did, did they have a little angry gif of you doing this okay, at the same now time? Now we have to go to Mars because this is toast. I'm on the first bus to Mars. <laughs> But just to say this, Mr. The, Mr. Bailey, if you're watching, uh, <laughs> he did caveat it very heavily. So, yeah, I mean, I love them for planet Earth, <laughs> but it's perhaps there's better ways of thinking about them. For, and, and what might that be? So I did look into Mars a little bit, and they do have this wonderful uh, element called molybdenum, which is an incredibly valuable thing. It makes steel and alloys super hard. It's used in uh, nitrogen fixation, so it helps plant grow very well, and we've decided to mine it. So we have an asset that could back something, potentially. The fractional ownership of this asset, of course, could be easily distributed in a decentralized solution, perhaps via, I don't know, tricorders, in a nod to Star Trek, that uh, as you arrive on the spaceship, you get your tricorder, as you pass through the gates, you're airdropped some 
what should we call them, molly. Uh, and of course, the molly needs to be subdivided, so there could be 42 uh, moles in a, mol, <laughs> in a molly, uh, because of course, the, um, the atomic number for molybdenum is 42. You've really thought this through, haven't <laughs> you? This is, this is not a, uh, you know, <laughs> off-the-cuff... Uh, how do we then I use... I watched Hedden last week. Like, I got this confused. I got this <laughs> like, how do we use that? Okay, so I've been airdropped uh, an amount that perhaps a lot, uh, enables me to set up on Mars, etc., and exchange for goods and services, which is... And it's backed by this very valuable rare Mars element, which is, of course, being shipped back. So we've got a customer for our products and things like that. And then we... What happens? So how do we pay for healthcare, medical, all those kind of things? Perhaps we wouldn't need an army if we get it right. But healthcare and medical, so you could set up a smart contract to take 2% of every transaction, and that'd probably be enough to pay for everything. And uh, how would we vote for that? Well, if it is fully decentralized, then you would all be asked to nominate particular ways and things that you'd like things spend, spent on. And if the majority consensus agrees that you do, that's how it's done. It's done not by people, it's done by machines, which of course are incorruptible. Probably that's one way of approaching it. Fairly incorruptible, depending who wrote the program. Exactly, I was going to say, it depends on who wrote the algorithm to <laughs> yeah. a certain degree, doesn't it? But, uh, no, but I, lo I love what you just said, but part of the thing that I think is, and this also just sort of shows how closely money and politics are interconnected, because you're making an assumption there that you arrive on Mars and you're given some value. Do we have universal basic income on Mars? I mean, what is this? Because how yes. is it that if everybody starts from the Precisely. same position of ownership, I think we've got something really exciting there because that's, that's not what we've ever done before. Which is why I mentioned the word abundance. If Mars means, because of the value of that abundance to society, then we could consider a, f a fair distribution and even create uh, ways of saying the more that you save or when you, when you do something kind, when you teach, you receive more airdrop. It's quite interesting that that's possible if abundance is there, that you have a different meaning and, and uh, role in life. It does depend, though, on who the customer is for the molybdenum. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And your point earlier on around distribution of wealth, actually, you know, to your point, if, we, if we're joining, you know, uh, uh, a, you know, equality in a much broader sense in terms of actually distribution of, of wealth from a, uh, you know, this new Martian society, then actually that changes the, the principles and the processes that you put in place, right? I mean, the hard, I guess the hard thing on that is, how we how we associate value in society to a certain degree. Man, it's got deep on it. I'm sorry. Mm. We're, we're I'll come back to the jokes in a little while. Don't <laughs> um, but but in terms of the um, the idea of like how we associate value to work and different work that people do, right? But also how I think how can we how can we better understand the cost of doing certain things poorly? So for mm. instance, homelessness is expensive to the system. Um, not taking care of people's health is expensive to the system. So again, going back to the theory of abundance, if everybody has enough, then perhaps we don't have to be spending money stupidly on fixing the things that we've got broken. But I think to your point, the question was like, who do we bring with us to Mars or how do we set up the system? And sort of, you know, how do, is, should banking be a utility? I mean, maybe maybe banking boards should be different. Maybe we should have people of color, people of different socioeconomic backgrounds, people who have actually lived through the experience, or, I don't know, small entrepreneurs who struggle to open a bank account for their bakery because their understanding of pain points is going to be fundamentally different than somebody who's never even seen the bottom of their bank account or spent the entire life in corporate finance. Not there's anything wrong. Somebody's going to say, Krupinska is saying corporate <laughs> financiers are shit. And, and please don't tweet that. Just get it off your chest. Like, <laughs> nobody's watching, don't worry. Just get it, get it all off your chest. I'm joking. Um, but, I mean, it's, it, it, that is interesting, isn't it? Because if you're... Do we create... Uh, you know, if the world started again, and in this you know, experiment, if we started everything from scratch, if we didn't bring the experience of the ways in which some of these things have been screwed up, then actually do we repeat the same mistakes See, again? See, I'm going to jump in and say, um, I, d I don't think that theory works over a long period of time. Like Pareto distributions occur throughout nature. There's always actually a power curve. And so even if everyone started off with the same amount of assets and money, the likelihood is give it 10 years and the, you know, the person who invents the Martian snack is suddenly a you know, molly billionaire and suddenly we've got this curve again. But I think this is where the kind of capitalism is a supremely flawed model 
but it seems to be the best one we've found so far for large groups of people. But it has to be so finely managed against the, the, um, the benefits to society of making sure that we look after the environment and all of this stuff. And, and I'd argue that maybe what we should leave behind is we haven't regulated the right in the right way for the right things. And while we really benefit from capitalism and the kind of push forward, we just haven't created the right society because we've not, be, not been strong enough with that sort of regulation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think the, um, the whole thing of giving people assets and also setting up the utility, so it's such so low cost and it's a vital right that everyone has, uh, it costs nothing to run, the, the, the Martian government provide it, and away we go. Um, and then we've just got to, to watch and, um, and prune that garden to make sure that we keep some of that motivational force that means people are enterprising and build things themselves. But at the same time, does anyone need to have 100,000 times more mollies than the person next to them? They really don't. Like, it's how do we flatten that curve while, while allowing it? I'm loving that you are owning the mollies. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. I'm going, really no, I'm going to launch a crypto called Molly. Nice. But I think, and something that I also love in your example, and I also wonder if this is something we'd be able to do. I mean, I suppose there's another assumption we have to make. You know, does everybody have some sort of a device that's that's smart and connected? I suppose we all do. Is there a way of building the the interface for Molly management to be easy enough that everybody has an equal understanding of how to work with it? Because again, I don't think anybody is against the idea that a Molly entrepreneur is going to go and do really well for themselves. I think what I personally am against is people not understanding the system to a point that they're unable to benefit from it in any way. So that's and in education. Fact, right? it, it's education, but it's also building financial products that are fit for purpose. It's right. un, you know it's not putting the T and Cs in small print at the bottom. Them, it's making sure that as you're working with the assets, you have the best chance of using it to your benefit yeah. and to your family's benefit. Yeah, it's an issue. I mean, with computers, right? You know, most people know how to do the basics, but nobody knows how to do everything, right? Unless you're educated about how to use it to its uh, the limits, you know, to really benefit you. That's really interesting. All right, we're going to have to move on a little bit because we need to kind of figure out. Like, I feel like this is very cathartic for us all. It's like <laughs> the thing, like we want to get rid of everything, like uh, you know, but uh, and bring nobody. Like uh, we're going to just work it out. But there was a few really good, interesting suggestions over in YouTube that we want to get to. So uh, Jennifer over on LinkedIn, uh, particularly said, uh, "We'd like to get rid of auditors." Fair enough, Jennifer. I feel like you've got a a bad experience that we'll need to talk to you about later on, potentially. Uh, Todd Shiler, who says, uh, thinks that we we should call this new Martian bank Nas Bank. Okay. Good suggestion, (laughs) is it? I think. We'll keep working on it. We'll come back to you. If we use it, we might owe you some sort of uh, trademark at that point. Molly. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I, I feel Molly, I need to point out, is quite a popular narcotic. We need to kind of come back to that (laughs) one. So So if we we start uh, adhering to... I thought you were going for that on purpose. That's why we all got so excited. Yeah, you you were. We've been paid in Molly. Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll be honest, you seem really into it, so I just let it go. Um, There were some really interesting suggestions by Dave Birch, actually, in terms of... uh, He actually wrote... A pretty concise three-point plan is Dave Birch. He does pretty frequently. Does I'll be honest. So his first point was no limited liability, which is an interesting one. So actually, I mean, that's quite an interesting space to kind of move into. That I mean, it touches on a few things that we've sort of talked about. Um, Separation of payments, credit, and investment operations, which sort of makes sense again. Um, Third one, which was kind of an interesting one. So chocolate as a legal tender. Um, Apparently, it was good enough for the Aztecs, so it'll be good enough for us. Um, which is interesting. I mean, I don't think there's going to be that much... I've packed as much dairy milk as I can, but there's not going to be that much <laughs> confectionery on Mars. So if it's in scarce supply, that sort of makes sense. Pretty fungible. Yeah. Mm. Well, there, uh, there, was, there was a, a currency way back that was actually based on... Uh, it was a symbol of grain in a... Um, in like a storage facility. Mm. And actually, as the grain degraded over time, your money was worth less. So I'm going to I'm going to twist this and say that actually there's a something around here about do we really want positive interest rates or actually on Mars actually having your money being worthless over time mean that you actually do have to spend it and the rich don't get richer because actually you end up you know that that sort of degrades over time so I'm going to I'm going to take that that sort of chocolate one and turn it into grain and turn it into negative interest rates and say yeah okay and I guess the idea of that is that it makes money move around the system you have to spend you... it because you don't hoard it and get more you hoard it and get less 
So if you're not using it for something productive, then, you know, you end up having less money over time. I think I'd just be tempted to eat it, though. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, all this talk of money just makes me hungry, I'll be honest with you. There is a better way to hire internationally, and it starts with deal. Everything from contract creation, record keeping, payments, and full-time employment is all in one place for teams all over the world. Companies anywhere can hire compliantly everywhere thanks to Deal. It's payroll and compliance built for today's worldwide workforce. To learn more, visit letsdeal forward slash 11FS. That's letsdeal, D-E-E-L, dot com forward slash 11fs and redeem an exclusive offer of three months free when you hire a contractor and 20% for your first year when you hire an employee. Fintech Meetup is the world's largest fintech meeting event. We're facilitating more than 30,000 meetings for 4,000 participants. It takes place online March 8th to the 10th, 2022. Join startups, established fintechs, investors, banks and credit unions, media analysts, and much, much more as they come together for partnership discussions, vendor presentations, investment pitches, and other meaningful collaborations. For more information and to get your ticket, go to www.fintechmeetup.com. All right, we're going to have to move on to what we would actually do then. So in this part of the show, what we actually want to do is figure out actually how we build our new system. We've kind of got it all off our chests a little bit. We've worked out what we'd like to change on Earth, but really it's about ensuring we build different this time to all of the points we were making. Let's not make all those mistakes again, shall we? Nobody made any mistakes. It wasn't you. Don't panic. All right. So, Eric, where do you want to start? What's the uh, what's the new system? The, let's, let's workshop the name of the non-drug-related yeah. currency. <laughs> um, but uh, what, what would be the, the first thing you'd want to move to? What was the... Uh, on Reddit, there was a great suggestion for this. Believe it or not, Reddit already have been discussing this. And uh, the they think it should be called the FI, F-Y-E. Something to do with F-U Earth, which was their idea. For that sounds the, very Reddit, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> very Reddit, yeah. How it, I think it might work is when you think that there isn't infrastructure, but we can take these tricorder type devices with us, I think we would design them to be mesh network creating, so that we create peer-to-peer mesh network where you get micro-rewarded for passing on transactions and things like that. And so there's a, that, that's how it would work. We already understand the technology that allows us to airdrop, uh, distribute, pay, and, and, and redeem, and you know, I'm a fan of blockchain, so it'll be in there somewhere to make sure that the, 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 the ledgers are well recorded. But I think the thing that I'm most concerned I can't figure out is something that I don't want to leave behind is the privacy that cash gives us as society. And I, I know we've got zero-knowledge proofs as a potential thing that's accessible, a tool to us that's accessible. But... You know, if I want to go and buy that pastry, I don't in in your bakery. I don't necessarily want my health insurer to actually know that cash gives me the privacy as an individual to choose that. How do we ensure that kind of privacy is maintained while providing ubiquitous identity for Mm. for people? It's interesting the idea around sort of incognito payments, essentially, in terms of the which which is fine for pastries, but not for terrorist funding or or taking money away from old ladies. Like so, it's an interesting again that political question as to as to where you stand, whether you think actually, you know, as a community that um, are we going to verge towards evil or verge towards good? Because I think the whole, you know, mesh networking decentralized thing, like what problem is that really solving on Mars? Because it's going to be a lot easier to build some central infrastructure and have that move around. Middlemen are really great on consumer payments. You want middlemen to prevent actually fraud and crime and a whole host of other things. I think the answer is it solves being live day one, because you can program them, you don't have to put up masks, you don't have to put but up... But we're going to have to have infrastructure to run the decentralised... No, no. Um, your thing. mesh-to-mesh peer network would be entirely self-sufficient. That still sounds more complicated to build than, um, than actually a server in the end. I can with show you some, a couple of Israeli companies building. <laughs> I mean, but I suppose, are, in the, are there maybe examples from places... I'm, sort of, I'm, qu- I'm quite uh, aware of the fact that we represent 
the experiences of the sort of banking sector in the sort of, let's call it global north? Are there examples maybe from other places in the world, like examples from Africa, examples from Asia? You know, you think about like mobile payments. A lot of the payments that are made basically through SMS, it's about the richness of the data. So we know that there are transactions going and actually it's great that we know that there are transactions going because that can be a basis for some sort of credit scoring, assuming we would need that. But it doesn't necessarily give you the richness. It, it, your insurer will not know if you spent five molly, whatever. We need to stick with that now. <laughs> we do. Um, on, you know, on, a, on, on a piece of bread or on a cookie or on a gun. Um, so perhaps there would be a little bit of a conversation or consensus on what level of da data sort of detail we need to provide to whom. Mm. And how much data is the regulator allowed to see? I yeah. mean, it does, is the regulator does have a full audit note? Somebody wants to leave them behind. Mm. So, Well, there's a big part there that you, you know, identity sort of runs through a lot of that, doesn't it? In terms of sharing of information and actually who you share what elements of identity with. But, and, and that touches on so much of almost the, the inability within the current systems of, of that, you know, the removing all of the friction around, even in just basic payments to, to do those things. But we touched on the regulator a little bit there. I mean, we've got, right now, we've got central banks, but we don't really have central banking, do we? Because we've got decentralized balance sheets and we've got decentralized systems. And we've, you know, this surely is an opportunity for, you know, I'm going to counterbalance Eric's, you know, disregard of central banks, but I'm joking, paraphrasing you again. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, That's um, how myths but, are started. But what, what happens if you completely centralize banking rather than decentralizing it? So actually it's a single system. Well, that surely they've got real-time regulation across everything at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. You've got, you've got all your screens and you can see wherever anything is going wrong in the banking system, just flashes red, instant fine, boom. But I think, you know, you need just thinking about it a bit, thinking that through a bit more, um, it would be great if, you know, all of the regulation was immediately uh, machine executable straight into the banking systems, straight through processing of any of any changes. Um, I think that would be great. But coming back to this point about, about trust, you can't, I think, outsource things like integrity and good behaviour and good culture and good conduct to technology. I think there'll still need to be some human intervention in that. And, you know, the, the, the example of Molly, who owns the resource in the first place? Um, is that everybody? Because actually you're owning, if you like, a derivative of that resource, not the resource itself. Mm. So what happens if that, when that runs out? Mm. Yeah, no, that's such, such great questions that I absolutely didn't address. <laughs> it's, like, um, it's like Monopoly. We all yeah. get cashed in at the beginning. Yeah. So if, if the central bank owned it, yeah. for example, effectively what you're creating is a central bank digital currency. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, um, with clients, even today when we're talking about building new things up, we're talking about four layers, like the rails layer, where information, capital assets, metadata moves. Like Mars is going to need this rails where we can move things around that include receipts and allow insurance and watch for crime and all kinds of stuff. Then we've got like the financial product layer. So we've got rails and then product. So where does money sit? Like where does, where does all the, you know, where is this, um, this financial products around loans and deposits and all of that stuff? And then above that, we've got our services because we need not a naked, um, you know, a, a current account where it's like, great, here's the money, now you just manage your life and away you go. It's like, let's build things that help people structure their finances in a good way and, and move stuff around. And then that can be embedded into the kind of journeys layer where actually when I'm taking my Mooba um, from uh, place to Mars Uber. No. Let's not go with moves. No. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we, re we really needed a six person and they're a marketeer, I think, uh, is what we need. Um, but as I'm, you know, I, I need my... Uh, my molly connected in so that as I'm taking my taxi around or just picking up uh, things from the grocery store, that it all sort of flows through. So that would be my vote, that actually we decide on this, this rails and it could be decentralised or centralised, then some way we have a utility layer that is the product. And we, don't do, we take Dave's suggestion and we don't do lending off the uh, balance sheet and all this stuff. We, we have a utility as a product. Everyone gets an account on Mars and it's connected to their device. And then we allow people to build services via open banking, open finance, sort of APIs on top. There you go. So, That's so my in, plan. in that uh, sort, right? <laughs> uh, but in that in that model, then, so we have a, a centralised single bank. 
So there's no competition for banking. There is a single bank, right? Well, and, and it, it, it's how you define bank. Because if you define it as someone who, the business model, I take deposits and lend it out, mm -hmm. no. But if we use it in the kind of narrow banking yeah, thing, sure. like an e-money license. Sure. So essentially, we will just we will just track where the money is yeah. and we'll be you know, completely trusted because it's either decentralized and cryptographically secure or it has a, some kind of agency yeah. looking after it. And that's all it does. It just lets you keep your money there and move it in and out and tracks it all around. Mm. So Who bears the risk in that the, which, which risk? Well, if you're, if you're lending, if yes. there are lending and, and I mean, there, there will need to be lending to create more value in the economy. Right. Who bears the risk of default on that lending? Well, it, it's interesting as to how the narrow banking model works because then you say, well, is this non-bank lending? And essentially other people can then lend as a service. Or is it the Mars government's uh, Fully job in order to do it? Or do we let particular providers have a particular license to create money? Like, you're not a bank, you're a, let's call it what it is, you're a money creator yeah. and it's down to you. But, it, you know, we've only really seen one or, one or two sides of that. We've not really seen the kind of narrow banking and where that goes. Although, was it the uh, Amazon guy? Who, uh, there was some, no, maybe Jamie Dimon who was talking about non-bank lending being like, the um, you know the big thing now, and the Swiss tried to introduce that, didn't they? And there was a bit, there was a a, a um, what's the word? We had three of them um, for Brexit and so on. Referendum, yeah, referendum. <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring Brexit into yeah, this you, conversation. Uh, blank, blank it from your memory. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's in, it's, it's interesting though, because if it's if it's essentially a you know uh, we are you know we land on Mars or you're born on Mars, let's you know say this yeah. goes well, you're provisioned an identity, you're provisioned a, an account, a bank account that comes with that, and then there are... And you're given money, so that you're, you know, yeah. you're okay, a proportion you're... of the molybdenium. Molybdenium. <laughs> yeah. You pass go, you've got $200, whatever. Yeah. Um, so you've been provisioned with an account, you've been provisioned with a store of value. You've, so that then allows you to operate, essentially. But, I mean, obviously, I mean, we didn't talk about things to leave behind, you know, plastic, like none of us are taking our wallets, right? So how are we going to pay for things in this world? Is it, you know, if we've got a central identity, what's the way that we would want to do payments? Out of curiosity, who here has a card on their person? Uh, no. Okay, no. that's 20% of us. <laughs> so I think we're pretty much leaving plastic behind slowly. Fine. Like I haven't really used one for a while. Sure. Um, but maybe that's a simplistic answer to your question. Yeah, um, but because in order to not pay with plastic, it moves us away obviously from, you know, pods terminals and everything that goes with that. So how are we paying for things when we go? Is it face Device scanning? to device. Is it devices? Because I'm nervous about face. I'm less so. I mean, I, I think that the certainty that biometrics offer us is valuable in society. It certainly reduces fraud. I mean, my, the, the company I founded, the fintech company before it was called fintech, was a fraud prevention business. Identity is a massive part of that, cloning of everything like that. So I quite, I'm quite a fan of the, the certainty it gives us. It's not a panacea, though, because we, there are many other problems that are associated with it. I think the, the thing that I wonder about, though, in this you know, we've created this system, we've airdropped everybody, we found a way to pay for healthcare and things like that. Is it fungible? Is the molly fungible with other planets? And, and how would we enable that? And how would we understand what it's worth um, as, we, as we try to sell our goods and services? Um, it, it, any ideas? Well, how is our customer paying for the molly? What do we value that they have? Mm. Do you think we'd revert to barter? <laughs> I don't know. And then wouldn't the thing that they're selling us, in, well, giving us in return, become more valuable than the molly? But it's, I wonder if there is a connection between the questions you're just asking and, and, and the conversation we had two minutes ago, which I, was around... I'd hope, I'd hope so, but <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, the, the point around like who's bearing the risk and defaulting. And so I think, I think one of the things we also messed up on Earth is, is communities. Um, and I think innovation partly played a role in that. We sort of, it became more depersonalized. We sort of, we live further away from each other, even though we're just next to each other. So again, going back to very briefly to lending, again, a model that works really well in, in developing markets. You've got your cooperative banks and cooperative lending, and a lot of it is based on trust in the community. So I suppose if 
And that also reduces the risk of the fault because there are consequences that are social, but not the way the government is spying on you. And this is why I'm nervous about biometrics. I'm not worried about the moment in which I want to pay. I'm worried about the system of cameras we'd have to have going everywhere, who holds that information and what they know about me and to what extent I can, I can, I can sort of withdraw um, that data from the system. But I suppose if we, are we able to maybe within that sort of community mindset, and also I suppose at the beginning, at least there'd be less of us, but we'd already be thinking about these things to sort of build it into the questions you guys mm. are asking. Well, there's so much in there about trust, isn't there? And trust of, you know, us, the trust of the system or the community, the trust of the system. And, and yeah, does that, does trust scale? I don't know. Deep. Very I know, right? deep, man. I know. So I trust machines more than some humans. And so let's think about that. I trust self-driving cars. I trust, I would very be happy to, I'd be happy to trust a self-flying aeroplane that was AI powered with all the knowledge of the world's best pilots, especially Sully, um, just, just there at, at the fingertips making those decisions. A surgeon, I would trust AI powered surgeon. I the, feel that the, the, I trust the problem, the machines. Though, the, the problem, well. especially with the sort of right smart contract is law and we trust that and, and everything, um, is that uh, there are people coding those, and you just move the um, you move the politics yeah. down the layers, yes. so that miners and coders. I mean, we have to look at what happens when you know Ethereum had to back transactions out, and and suddenly you've got factions that are fighting against yep. each other as to how this all works. But I do think there is something about that the um, public accessibility and visibility of how all of these systems work, such that so transparency. Any, what, transparency for me creates, um, uh, creates the more trust yeah. because we can kind of see well, it there. Yeah. Um, and so, so there is something about it being a more openly transparent system such that we can, at least we can all see if things are going you know, off the rails and, and away we, where we are. It's a really interesting point because I think there's been a, lots of sociologists of finance have done quite a lot of work on ethical behaviour. And once it's, if you like, disintermediated by technology, they're more likely to behave unethically than if they're face-to-face -face and, mm. and mm. talking mm. directly, which comes back to the community thing. So you might put your trust in the machines, but do you trust the other people who are using those machines? But isn't it machines? the people manipulating the systems looking for the back doors rather than the machines actually being implicitly more distrustful because they're not corrupt, but unless they're programmed to be. But maybe we go back to it has to be decentralized because I actually agree with your point that I would trust some machines much, well, most machines, more than I would trust some people. But if still there is a person at the other end who's, uh, I don't know, politics, motivations, um, you know, relationship with me, whatever, I, I don't necessarily trust, then what will they be able to do? How will they be able to manipulate that machine? Mm. Yeah, but I think there's a half. Sorry, oh. I, I think that there's like there's almost a halfway house because ultimately, um, okay, suddenly our trade with the Earth is going really badly or really well, and suddenly a Molly's worth nothing in order to buy the things that we want. And actually, we want to print less, print more. You know, we want to actually have monetary policy and you know yeah. and stop a 2008 on Mars or Great Depression because actually we have to we have to create yeah. some more molly. And so there's a governance layer on top of the visible infrastructure that then still has to exist in order that we can make exceptional decisions. Feels like we, we, this or, is real, doesn't it? You or know? does it or, or or do we in that because then if molly becomes worthless then something else becomes valuable. So then wouldn't we be able to just for that moment spin up I don't know, you think about Ireland and the great famine and sort of the way that they started trading do we spin up just a system on top? Like, do we believe there has to be a higher power? I, I don't know. Well, well I at the moment we do. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm kind of glad there is one. <laughs> but it is possible, though, to, in that scenario, not to rely on a central uh, decision-making uh, capability. What you could have is a committee that looks at the issues, you've got your dashboards and you can say, well, it's not going so well. Just like the central bank uh, <laughs> committee. Uh... What they do, rather than just deciding and implementing, sure. is they propose to the community to vote. But the problem their... is that the community is horrible at military policy or anything complex. We only have to look at some of the you know, referendums <clears throat> and elections that have happened in the last few years to say that actually 
put, giving um, giving evidence to the general population and saying make you know make a uh, decision on it, it leads to horrible. That hasn't um, ended well. Yeah. We've, we've come back to politics, and I, I wanted to ask the question. You know, you talked about people being provisioned with digital identity, provisioned with Molly. Who's doing that provisioning? Is it is it an autocratic state that just decides that? Is it David? Is, 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 is David question. the CEO of, of Mars? And I'll be honest, nobody wants that. <laughs> the head of the ethics committee for the CEO. But I think it's so, it's so interesting how you can't divorce, you know, we talked about creating a bank. You can't create a bank independently of thinking about the wider goals of society and economics mm. and, and politics. It's all so embedded. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I think, you know, almost bizarrely the conclusion we're coming to is, uh, and it's weird because we all bang on about digital banking so much, but actually the humans in the system and the way in which it's set up. And I mean, it was back to your point earlier on around why community banking was so successful. It was down to the people knowing how people worked and what people wanted, right? So it's kind of strange that we're, so we need to take more people. I think we're kind of realizing, right? Well, it, because it, the, the yeah. checks and the balances. Back to your point around computers. I mean, I, uh, you know, a Tesla can compute 10 million more data points than a human can do. Therefore, that makes sense. Made up the 10 million. But, uh, you know, uh, I think it all falls apart if the culture on Mars is bad. Whatever the system is we design, if it's not a community driven culture where children are brought up to believe in the right kind of values and, you know, uh, but then whose values comes into question? Well, if Bezos but, but or Musk have, have colonised, I think we're we'd get uh, We'd get everything within an hour if Jeff Bezos did it, when we like, Amazon Prime on Mars would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what I found interesting in the premise for this was that you named uh, Musk and Bezos, but you didn't talk about the Chinese mm. or India uh, yeah. doing it instead. So do, do we think then actually based on who colonizes Mars? The values will Absolutely. propagate. Yeah, it's going to be no, very different no in terms of the setup. That's going to be, be there, isn't it? Super interesting. All right, we had a, a few more um, super interesting comments. So Paul Loberman, I uh, said, uh, say brand for the banks, Marzo. Interesting. Marzo. Starlink Bank. I, I feel like there's Starlink. a theme. Starlink. A theme that you're going for <laughs> Thanks, here. Anne. Uh, uh, Anthony Loyler said uh, Demos Bank, which apparently is one of the names of one of Mars's moons, which is nice. interesting. Oh, I like that. But um, but I feel as far as job applications goes for this thing, when uh, when uh, <laughs> Je Jeff, if you're watching, and this all works out, then we're we're very much up for it, aren't we? So uh, all right, guys, I, I think we're going to have to wrap it up. But um, it is interesting, though, isn't it? Because actually, I mean, you sort of figure out when you're trying to build these things, how many the limitations really cause you know, real struggles to actually change those systems, whether it's identity or payments or central banking or, don't get you started on central banking again, or whether it's core banking, whatever that's in the system. But when it comes down to it, the, the thing that actually you need to sort of build into these, this is gonna sound so grandiose, but it's like, it is humanity, isn't it? Like, you're, we really need to build more- Is this like an end of Oprah or It is, yeah. <laughs> it, it, does, it does feel it a little bit. I'm gonna go sit on a set, here's my three reflections. But, it, but, the, but the, the human element in yeah. financial services is so lacking. Inescapable, yeah. absolutely. Empathy, you know, it's a big thing. We need to kind of build it in. All right, on that note, we're going to have to wrap it up there because we are uh, super, super duper overrunning. But, uh, uh, and actually, I think it was mostly my jokes about chocolate, really, and mispronouncing people's names. Again, I'm really sorry. Um, but on that note, it wraps it up. Where can people learn a little bit more about all the good stuff you're up to, Marta? Uh, well, my name is Marta Krupinska. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Madam Entrepreneur. That's MME Entrepreneur. Um, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, this has been super fun. Thank Very you. Good. Sean? Uh, you can get me on Twitter at The Reg Doctor or at Reg Tech Associates, which is rtassociates.co. Very good. Eric? Uh, Edenbase.com. We're investing in maybe 20 companies next year, so we'd very much like to hear from you. Uh, check us out at edenbase.com. Very good, Mr. Bates. LinkedIn or Twitter. Very good. Me, I'm a LinkedIn lurker these days, so you can find me over on LinkedIn. Well, that wraps up, uh, I think it's the fourth digital FinTech Insider After Dark, which is kind of bizarre. Like, uh, pandemic's been a bit weird. It's been lovely to do it in front of like real humans yeah. though. So, uh, uh, again, humans make the difference, don't they, it turns out. Uh, you can find us on pretty much every social media channel at this stage. Um, thank you so much to all the media and marketing team for setting this up. Everybody on the cameras, everybody on the audio, everybody on the marketing, everybody on the setup. And thank you very much for you guys to, to tune in today as well. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Speak to you soon. Bye.